Dad gave me a phone book. He gave me a phone and gave me a newspaper. Says, start calling people and see if they want to have an auction. I'm like, who are you calling? Who do you say to call? Well, by the way, kids, a phone book is what we had before. So I've got a 28-year-old sitting back there behind the camera over there, okay? And I guarantee he has never used a freaking phone book. CEO Parenting Podcast. I'm Thomas Cox, where we talk about parents that are also high-level executives or business owners, and we dive into the financial part of what they do, how they're thriving in business, but also trying to do a great job being a parent. Because many times the the job of being a business owner never turns off, and the job of being a parent never turns off, and yet we still have not talked about being a spouse. So my guest today is a great friend of mine who I met a little over, a little less than a year ago. His name is Lou Dempsey. Lou owns a company called Dempsey Auction Company, and I am not going to tell his story. What I'm going to do is just kind of ask questions. This is going to be very conversational that you guys can sit in on and just listen to how this guy is doing life and at a high, high level. So Lou, thank you for being here. Coach, thanks for having me. It's good I'm to so, be here. I'm so glad you're here. You know, so, so, so tell me, tell me about what you, tell me about what you do, like an auction company. We, uh, we specialize in selling real estate. Of course, we sell equipment, firearms, anything that we can sell, but primarily sell real estate across the Southeast, from Alabama to uh, Texas, Virginia, um, even into Florida. We're moving into Florida now, so we, we're licensed from Texas to Virginia, back and forth, and we also sell in, we just got licensed in Florida and opened an office down there. So how many offices, so your main office is in Rome? We have main office in Rome. and then we Rome, have Georgia, a, excuse me, Rome, Georgia. Rome, yeah. Georgia, and then we have a, a small office in, in another man's office. We have just a one-room one office in uh, Panama City and uh, on Thomas Drive. How about that? And so we're just now moving into Florida. We've got, uh, we're selling some lots in Florida right now and a big house in Gainesville, Florida right now. So everything you do is auctioned? Everything pretty much we sell is at, is at live public auction, yes. Okay, so, so let's go back to, to this. this. I've told this story a couple times on here about okay. how... We bought our, our lake house. How we this met, is how, how bought it. This is how we met. So I call, I see my buddy Stephen Higgins sends me the link for the auction. He goes, this is kind of cool. He works in Gadsden. You don't even know if like, you know this. I don't, I don't know. Okay. So I get the link and I go, this is awesome. I'm like, auction, what do I want to spend? Whatever. So I call the office, don't get nobody. And then I call, I want to say two days before, three days before the auction. And I get, get you on the phone. Right. You call we back. Talk, right? Yeah. And you said... I said, I'd like a private show. And he said, well, I'm going to be here Friday. Just come up Friday. So we came up the day before. And you walked me around. It was great. Just We hit it off immediately. Me, him, and Jackie all hit it off immediately. And then we bought the – and I was like, so there's going to be like a guy there <laughs> talking fast. Talking fast. And it's Flipper, the guy. Flipper. That, Flipper. That's exactly right. And so Flipper's from Georgia. It comes over, and he does the whole auction. That's right. And Lou – is holding my hand through this thing because I have never done an auction before. <laughs> I mean, I've not bought a cow, a house, a nothing on an auction, and he's sitting there with me, walking me through, and it is as high-paced and intense. frantic and intense as you've ever been. We bought a half-million-dollar property in 20 minutes. Yes, exactly. The 20 minutes previous to that, nothing. <laughs> so t- so tell me the tell me the story. Like how long have y'all it's a, this is not you didn't start this. No, I did. Tell me the story, the backstory. I'm the third generation. My son Chase is the fourth generation. And so my grandfather started in the auction industry in 1943. And it's a pretty cool story in itself. Let's hear it. Uh he was he and his two brothers, they were dairymen. And uh, they had a big dairy farm and it was during uh, World War 
two, and the and the government was um, looking to build an airport, and they bought my grandparents' farm. My grand my granddad's farm, his, his the government. farm. The government did to put the, the, the where Richard B. Russell Airfield is in Rome was their dairy farm. And so they had like a hundred acres left, and they hired a company to come auction their farm. They just had a hundred acres left, they couldn't farm it. Well, when they came to auction it, my grandfather got excited. So he got out in the crowd and listed in bids, getting bids, and he got excited and kind of like I do at yeah. the sales, like I did. And the guy on the economy said, Hey, what are you gonna do now that you sold your farm? He goes, I don't know, I'm unemployed. So that's how my grandfather got in the auction business was they sold their farm at auction. And so we went from the dairy business to the auction business. So he sold his farm at the auction. auction. So then what did he do? He went to this work. This is in 1943? Yes, sir. He went to work with, with a man named Buck Todd. And he went to work with him and his auction company. And my and Mr. Todd's son, Mr. J.L. Todd, and my grandfather later became partners. And they split in 1965 with my grandfather. And I have an uncle that I'm um, deceased. Uh-huh. That, uh, he died in 68. But they, they the, my uncle and my dad and my grandfather started Sproul Dempsey and Sons Auction Company in 1965. Wow. And so that's how we went from the dairy business to the auction business. So your granddad started it. Your dad got in with him. In 65. Okay, so tell me about from from, from 65. Good Lord. So yeah. tell me about from there. So from 65 on, it was my dad and my grandfather. Then he, And they had he had a, an older brother, and he passed away in 68. Your dad had an older brother. Yes. Okay. And he, he died of lung cancer, I think, in 68. Okay. And then I have an uncle who came in in maybe 71 or 72 and he and my dad were partners for years, and I bought him out in nineteen in two thousand seventeen. And so, so you brought the you bought the uncle out, right? So it's just me and dad. And I had a cousin. It was a, it was no kidding. It was a show enough family business. Me had an aunt, uncle, uh, cousin, me, dad, and it was it was a, it was a family business. And so I bought my uncle out in seventeen, and now he's the real estate commissioner for the state of Georgia. Your uncle, is. he is. I talked to him on the way over here today. As a matter of fact, um, okay, so. Okay, so 2017 wasn't too too long ago. Mm-mm. So tell me about like tell me about your journey. So like high school went from Rome. Went from Rome, went to Darlington School. Uh, from there, graduated, went down to Auburn. Okay, and uh, I knew I was probably going to be in the auction business, go to law school, one of the two. So I studied marketing. Whoa, 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 whoa. auction business or law school? That's law- a major difference. That is, that's a Dewey Cheatham and Howe kind of thing right there. It's one of the three, you know, or used car salesman. Then you got that's all right. three of them, you know. But uh, my, my everybody on my mother's side was attorneys. And okay. so that was the, the law was on my mother's side, and then then the auction industry on my dad's side. And uh, I enjoyed working with them. I enjoyed I enjoyed the people. I enjoyed the experience, just meeting people and doing things that we do. We see things that most people never see, and and how, it's never the same. How, what we how, do. how so? How so? Well, I mean, like, like we've sold for people that have been incarcerated. Um, Somebody's been, in jail. You're saying? Yeah, I've been to federal prison to get documents signed. Um, we've sold for folks that, that for families that couldn't get along, and all of a sudden we sell their farm and they're back together. Um, we sell mm-hmm. people some some just like we sold to y'all something that you're going to cherish and love for the rest of your life. So we see really neat things, and, and it's not the same thing every day. I mean, one day I'm, I'm working for a guy who, you know, who needs to sell something, or the next day I've got him selling for a man who bought something and and he he's just trying to make some quick money on it, or a fellow who's inherited something and has no use for it. And he's a you know out of state, out of area owner. So I sell for a lot of different types of people with different needs. What do you see the most of? The reason you sell is but the most the most of the time is what. The most the, I mean, when you what do you let me say this okay what is the reason you sell like the the main reason that you sell the most of like is it jail is it inheritance what is what is the main thing that you hear a lot of it right now in this in this type of economy right now are people who have inherited properties if you take if you take five siblings mom and dad die they own a farm well those five kids can't order a pizza together much less decide what to do with the farm together <laughs> right but, but they can split the money up. So we can take their assets and turn them into liquid cash. Why would they use you as opposed to putting it on the market? Well, 
there, there's different, an auction works for, for certain scenarios. A lot of scenarios it doesn't work for. But if they want a quick cash sale, they don't know what it's worth, the market will take care of itself. Everybody talks about a bargain. I'm gonna, I don't want to give my farm away. Well, you know, we hadn't been in business since the 40s by giving stuff away. Sure. But there's that perception that there's going to be a bargain. And that's great because I want people there's to There's that perception like, with an auction that it's going to be given away. It's going to be given away. There's no set price. I mean, we never sell you this is what it's going to take. Then, and, and a lot of times we sell absolute, which means it sells no matter what. And, and just like y'all bought the, that lake house, it was going to sell if it brought $100,000 or $500,000. It was going to sell. Right. Because it was a court-ordered sale. And the court knows the only way to sell it, and the most logical reason or way to do it is put it up, let them let the market determine what it's worth, because it's only worth what somebody will pay for it. Do you get do you get involved in a lot of like disputes where like the five five siblings are pissed off at each other? I've got three business partners right now, three well known businessmen in our community went in and got in the cattle business together. Well, that didn't go over very well, mm. and so they've got a huge asset. They've got a big farm in Rome, and they're going to sell it. And they said all three of them said we're not going to sell it unless it sells absolute. That way, nobody can say it didn't bring enough. But we're selling that hundred and some odd acres and four homes, and their whole cattle operation at absolute auction in, in a couple of weeks because they can't decide on what it's worth. So they said, let's just let Lou sell it, and it'll bring what it's worth, and it'll go from there. What do you think that's going to take? I think they've well, got. I think that farm should bring between a million three and a million five. What is their gross income? Do you know? I have no idea because they're, what they're doing is they're keep one partner's keeping the cattle and the cattle and the cattle operating equipment, okay. all the working equipment. They're keeping that. We're just selling the raw land in the houses. Raw land in the houses. Raw land in the houses. Okay, so there's not a business involved. There's no no. Okay, they're, 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 they're taking their LLC and moving it okay. on down the road and moving the cows to another farm and whatnot. But the, these these guys just didn't. Two one was a cattleman and two of them weren't. So it didn't work out. It just didn't work out. Okay, so you leave Auburn. And then you're 20, home. 22 years old, come home to do what? Uh, my dad gave me a phone book. He gave me a phone and gave me a newspaper. Says, start calling people and see if they want to have an auction. I'm like, who are you calling? Who do you say to call? Well, they're, they're, by the way, kids, a phone book is what we had <laughs> before. <laughs> so I've got a 28-year-old sitting back there uh, behind the camera over there, okay? And I guarantee he has never <laughs> used a freaking phone book. And so, and so, like, a phone book is where... It was so. I don't know if you know, you probably know this. So phone books. The reason when phone books came out, everything was in alphabetical order. Right. All phone books were in alphabetical order. All phone books were in alphabetical order. So the reason that there were so many double A transmission services, double A pest control, triple A gardening, whatever, is because it ranked higher at the very beginning of that huh. category. Exactly. And so that, and I, I saw that for years, like double A MCO, the trip, whole trip. That's AA the reason. MCO, yes. Sir. Yes. And I had no idea, but that's, it's, yep. it's like the, the oldest marketing tool yep. in the book, yep. literally the book. So he gives you a, the yellow pages he or gave me yellow pages, books. and he gives me a, 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 a thing in the Atlanta paper called the Home Finder. Okay. And so every Sunday in the Atlanta paper would come out about all this land for sale across, across the state and then out of state. So I would go down there and I'd find something, you know, 150, 200 acres for sale by owner. So I'd call them and say, hey, this is Lou Dempsey with Dempsey Auction Company. Have you ever thought about having an auction? Have you ever considered an auction to market your property? And I got a lot of whams. I got a lot of hangups. But if they waited or paused for a couple seconds, you, I, knew they were, I knew they were thinking. And I wouldn't give them a chance to say anything. I'd say, hey, this is Lou Dempsey. Have you ever thought about having an auction? If there's just a little bit of just a little bit of a pause, I'd say it's an excellent way to market your property. It's not a it's not a have to sell, it's a want to sell. And we specialize in selling land all over the southeast. And then I would just say, Hey, can I come see you? 
And I'd set up a time, and I'd go see them, and I'd buy them talk, coffee. I'd buy, I'd go see them, buy them lunch, whatever it took. Walk, ride their farm, look at them, tell them what we do, and see if it worked. What they and and, and auctions a two way street. You know, I got to make sure that the, the client is a candidate, and they've got to make sure, sure. That, that we offer what they need. And it has to be, it has to be a perfect or you know, a semi perfect fit. So here's the lesson. I, I the first thing I thought of. So 22 year old just graduated from Auburn. What kind of degree? degree did you Marketing get? management. Marketing management degree. Mm-hmm. The first thing your 60-year-old dad did mm-hmm. was put you on sales. Yeah, threw me in the wolves. Put you on sales. So I, the lesson here is like when you, no matter what you're going through, because like I'm a parent of three, I have to sell bedtime mm-hmm. a lot. I have Absolutely. to sell Absolutely. what we're eating for dinner. I have to sell the fact that we got to get in the car, take your sister across town to do volleyball, and we're going to have a good time playing at the park. I got to mm-hmm. sell that. A preacher's got to sell Jesus. Yes, sir. I got to sell food. You mm-hmm. got to sell this. So the lesson here, in my opinion, is like, if, you, if you're not sure what you want to do, find a sales job. Mm-hmm. Because you can, if you can sell, you can do just about anything. And that's what dad did to you. Uh, that's right. I mean, I grew Luckily, I was fortunate. My dad was, is really, really good at what he does. He's probably the best in this part of the world. He's in the Auctioneers Hall of Fame. I mean, he's, is he really? He is. My dad's, my dad's an impressive man. And, and, and I learned everything. I, I mean, I just I wrote around him. I, listened. I didn't talk. I listened to everything he said, mm. everything he did, because he knew what he was doing. From how old? How old were you? I started traveling him when I was 10 years old. Wow. I'd go and put up auction signs or I'd go to auctions and I would just listen and I would ride with him. And I went, I mean, when I was 12 years old, I flew with him up to Collinsville, Illinois to sell a, um, to sell a big industrial building. And I'll never forget. It was 1980, I think, 1981 or whatever. And the guys that bought the building, they borrowed the money. And I'll never forget on the way home, dad said, son, those guys just paid 21% interest to borrow that money. I said, what does that mean? He said, for every $100 they borrowed, they got to pay $21 rent a year to borrow that money. Or they're, pay, they're paying. They're paying the bank twenty one dollars a year for every hundred they buy borrow, or twenty yeah, twenty one dollars yeah. a year. And I was like, so it so it, he said that's extremely high interest. That means that it costs you a lot to borrow money when you have to when the money's when money's high when it's cost a lot right. to borrow money it slows things down. And I learned that when I was you know in in nineteen eighty nineteen eighty one. Wow. And he knew what he was talking about. And I was blessed to, to, to learn from him because he was really good. So you sat in the car for 10 years, eight years, nine years, 10 years, and just listening mm-hmm. and asking questions when it was appropriate. Always. I knew I knew the look. I knew when not to say anything. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. Yeah. When I was in college, um, my dad and my uncle and these guys were buying a track of land. And they were okay. buying it from a big timber company. So I was in college, and I was pretty sure I knew what I was doing. And, and you know, you know, you know what I'm yeah, talking about. I know exactly, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah. we got this meeting. We're in a high-rise building in Atlanta, and we're at this big lawyer's office, and this big glass, you know, fancy, up, fancy. I mean, I'm in there in a coat and tie, and, and these lawyers start kind of jerking us around. I'm like, hey, let me tell you something. We're not a bunch of hillbillies from Rome, Georgia. Don't you talk to us this way? And everybody just looks over at me. And I'm like, yeah. And I sat down, and everybody kind of looked at me like, what? And they went back to business. And so dad doesn't say a word. And my dad, he was just very matter of fact. There was no beating right. around the bush. So we get in the car to go home, and I said, I like the way I took care of that, dad. <laughs> he sat there a minute. He said, you know, son, he said, sometimes, or most times, no, all the time, it's better to sit at the table and let them think you're an idiot than open your mouth and prove them right. <laughs> And you did a great job of that, son. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I didn't say another word the rest of the way right home. But he was right. You know, sit there and just be quiet. One mouth, two ears. Okay, so you're you you get through college, the phone book's in your hand, you're calling people, you're getting the the phone slant, cold calling. Straight cold calling. Straight cold calling. 
Okay. And you, and every now and again, you would you would hit somebody that really wanted to have a sale. So I call this guy. I'm about 23 years old, and and I'm not. I mean, I'm not printing money. I'm not doing. You know, I'm not doing well, but I'm doing okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm making a living. And I call this guy. He's got a plantation in Somerville, South Carolina. I see these plantations for sale. So I call the guy. I'm like, hey, this is Lou Dempsey with Dempsey Auctions. I see you got this property for sale in Somerville, South Carolina. He goes, hey. He said, you know Sproul Dempsey? I'm like, well, my grandfather, my uncle. He says, the boy, the uncle, the one that passed away. I was like, yeah, that was my uncle. He goes, he was my fraternity brother and my roommate at Georgia. I was like, no way. That's incredible. Long story short, I go to Somerville, South Carolina, and back in the early 90s, I sell a million-dollar plantation off calling a guy the paper who lived with my uncle at University of Georgia. They were Chi Fi's at Georgia. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, so I can make a living out of the you newspaper. Can. I mean, out of the newspaper. How long did you call, How long did you call from the phone book in the newspaper? Oh, man. Probably 10 years. Are you kidding and, me? And I'll tell you what I would do. It got, it got where once I started getting my book of, my book of business, when people knew that I, you know, I, knew, I didn't have clients call me or refer me. I got, I got with a bunch of attorneys. I got with a lot of probate attorneys and a lot of guys handling estates, and they knew that if they call us, we handle it all just like the property that you that, that y'all purchased. Right. We went in, took care of the whole thing. We got it cleaned up. We oh. got it ready for ready for sale. We're, we're one stop shopping. We take care of it all. All you got to do is come to the sale and come to the closing for the for the attorney. Okay. So talk. So I'm going to show. Did you get before pictures when you walked up to our property? No, I didn't. I should have. I should have. And and you should have seen it before you saw it. It was and this was a personal friend of ours who owned this property. Oh, and the Watsons? Yeah, the Watsons. See, Dad, Mike, the guy who owned it, the, the brother, he plays golf at, at with Dad and we're good friends and You talking from, about the guy we went to closing with? Yeah, Mike, yeah. Oh, he's, so he's I didn't a know personal friend buddies. of ours. Yeah, yeah, we're I friends. Did not know that. Okay. And so he called us and said, Listen, my dad's place is in is in rough shape. He said, I've got a a, a relative living there and they're not looking after it like it needs to be. We need to sell it. There's a minor child involved, you know? And so the first time we went to look at it, my dad's like, uh, we don't know what we can do with it. And so I was like, well, I know what we can do with it. We'll call the cruiser in there and bring the dumpsters in. And they spent, a, and, and the, the estate paid the money to get it cleaned up, but it made the sale. I mean, you couldn't, nobody would buy it looking like it did. Sure. I mean, it's just, we like to sell the old wow factor. Yeah. I don't want you to walk up and say, oh, wow, look what I got to do. I want you to walk up and say, oh, wow, look how fun this is going to be. Yeah. How this is going to improve our quality of life. And that's what we did. That's, that's what exactly y'all did right. for us. Okay, so tell me about this. Let's let's talk finances a little bit, okay. okay? So, and I don't care to tell people what we paid for it. So, what was it? It was an absolute auction. No matter if you sold it for 100 or, or 500 the, you the, it was going to get sold. The court, the court ordered it to be sold. Okay, yes. so tell me how on the sale you get paid. Because that's something I don't know. I do have a mind, like I went through the process, so okay. I kind of know. So tell me the process of how Dempsey Auction gets paid. There's a lot of different ways. Okay. Like the way this particular sale. Yeah, talk about mine. There was a 10% buyer's premium. Okay. So, you know, yeah. and, we, and we advertise that. We don't try to, it's sure. not hidden costs. We sneak in. We advertise it's a 10% buyer's premium. Explain that. Okay. So what that means is whatever you bid, there's a 10% premium added on top. So if you bid for, for say, numbers 400000 then you know that there's going to be a $40,000 premium for a total purchase price of four forty. Mm-hmm. So that's our commission. It's just like a real estate commission of 6% instead of 10%. Yep, and, okay. the, and, the, and the buyer the buyer pays that on top. So we announce that, we advertise that, we make sure, sure. everybody knows that. So you fit, 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 you figure that into your bidding. I mean, right. I don't want you to be surprised in the day. So what's this 10%? I want you to know going in, 
what what it, what it takes to get it bought. Right. And so, like the 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 estate, they paid for the, the the marketing of the property. They paid for the advertising, the signs, the crew, the cleanup. They paid for all the cleanup. They paid for all the advertising. So they paid for the advertising, the expenses of the auction, and then the buyer pays the commission. Out of that commission, we pay our salespeople, we pay anybody outside realtors that are involved, and we pay all that out of our commission over there. Okay. So you talked about briefly with me privately how much it took to clean that property up. It was a lot. We, we hauled, how many dump trucks do you say? I think we hauled 12 dumpsters out of there. And that was, that was after some of the family members got a lot of the scrap out of there. There was a lot of scrap and they, scrap. They, what do you mean? Oh, uh, just metal. They could take scrap metal to the, and get, so, so and, the, 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 the family took some of the scrap out. The girl next door. Yes, the girl next door. She took she took the scrap, a lot of it. Before she took the hot water heater. Before she took the hot water heater. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like only in America, so man. Listen, only in so America. Listen, you sell it and they steal the hot water heater out. I mean. We, so, we bought this property, okay? We bought the property. There's auction people there. Yes. There's 100 people at the auction. Yes. It's so exciting. She is still living in the trailer. There's a trailer that we have turned into a magnificent place. Unbelievable. It's, it's like Lazarus. You brought it back from I, the dead. We brought it man. back from the dead. From the dead. We had to because it was grandfathered in. Yeah. It was built in 1970. So, yeah, it made a lot of sense. So, But when she was asked to leave, she took the hot water heater. See, we had never been in the house. I was afraid. I did not want to go in the house. Because she had those dogs in there, and I, I knew we'd get fleas. I mean, I just really knew. Oh yeah. And and sometimes fleas are the least of your worries. I have had bed bugs too in the, mm. in the houses. So, but but you know, I just didn't know what it was like in there. But but what y'all did in there is, is unbelievable. But you did you did the right thing by leaving the, the, the trailer there. Well, I, after the the laws and talking to you and just the different laws, I mean, you're we were so close to the water that in order for me to build. I would have had to tear down, which would have been expensive. Yep. But then to build the t- codes or, or the... You had to build up and out and and with the health, with environmental health. You did the right thing. Yeah, I that. think we did too. So uh, so you get the place cleaned up. So, But the the state pays... The people that, that sold it paid all the fees. So if it costs you 12 dump truck loads or 12 loads, it's just... They spent about, about 10 grand cleaning it out. So they spent 10,000. You didn't pay that. Mm-mm. You didn't buy any of the signs. You didn't do any. You they they paid what they what the what I did is I is I made a deal. I made a I, when I sell for the court, I have a set fee. I charge the court, and it's just it's just it's a lower fee than what I charge most. But the court knows that I'm going to do that and then some because the bottom line is the more money it makes, the more you make. more money. It, so I mean, we're an incentive based business. Yeah. So we're not going to shortchange, and I just charge a nominal fee. To you charge it. a fee to the you charge a fee to the court. Or to the to the estate. To yeah, the to, estate. Yeah. And then we pay the ten percent buyer's fee. And then we pay everything outside of that. That's correct. Who so but they paid for the dump trucks and the correct. cleanup. No, they, the, the cleanup expense is something totally different. And they paid for all that. They paid for all that. But that's in the order. I mean, in that order, there was an order specifically giving us authorization to clean it up. And you had the you, you did not have to check with anybody on, on the mm. cleanup. No, we we we, well, we talked to the attorneys going into it and we made them a proposal and they had the proposal of, of everything we would do. What we suggested, they made that proposal part of the order, and so it was everything was lined out from from start to finish. Okay. So we knew who was going to close it. We knew what day we were going to sell it. We knew what we were going to spend on cleaning it up. We knew how we were going to market it, and, and the court was well aware of that, as all the parties were too. Okay. So that's that's how y'all make your money. There's a fee on the front end. Okay. So let's say you sell something private. You call the guy in Somerville, for example, right. um, and say it was doing it today. He pay Johnny, the guy selling the property, pays you a fee. Uh huh. 
and then you get a buyer's premium on the back end right. also? So, like, for, we had a big cattle farm we were selling last eight, last August. And it was a pretty farm. It was 300-something acres. Oh, 10, wow. 10 miles outside of Rome. I mean, it was a really nice track. Mm-hmm. And there were some guys looking for a cattle farm. And so this family hired us to sell the farm. Well, they called us. They said, can we look at the farm? And I knew they were I knew they were they were heavy hitters and they wanted to they wanted to buy something soon. And we showed them the farm and on a Saturday afternoon we made a deal on the farm before it auctioned. Mm. Prior to auction, they made an offer by by law, by any real estate laws where you, you do business, you had to present a legitimate offer to the seller. And we presented it and the seller used to sell it. And so we sold it prior to auction. Wow. And that's happening more and more. In the last since 2020, we've sold more property prior to auction than any time ever before. Could you have sold my could I have bought my property that way? No. And I'll tell you why, because yeah. it was ordered by the court. So by the court ordering it, mm. both parties had to have a chance to bid on it if they didn't think it was going to bring enough. If 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 Mike's side didn't think it was bringing enough, he could bid on it and make it and, and buy it himself. Mm. If he didn't think and buy his buy his sister in law out. So by when court ordered stuff is really you can't hardly do it. But when it's ordered to sell by at live public auction by court order, you can't hardly get it bought before the sale. Okay, that makes sense. So tell, so let's talk through our the, the technicality of our auction because okay. a lot of people, when I explain it, a lot of people don't understand it. Okay. So there was two 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 lots. Two lots. You, we bid on the first lot, the bigger right. lot. Right, the big lot. And we won that bid. You bought you bought the big house in the in the, in the acre and a half or two right. acres with the big house. But then you did another auction. We went through the whole the, process again. The second you know, offering on the on the smaller track with, right. with the mobile home. Yes. The mobile home is small track, maybe the boat ramp and what yeah. have you. And we didn't buy that one. We didn't buy that one. And then we put it back together. Okay, so, we so when you up, say put it back together, explain that. We right. offered it. There were two tracks. We sold track one first, then track two. So Thomas owns track one. Johnny owns track two. So then we put track one and two back together. We add what they brought and added 5% raise. In order to bid out either the original bidders, you have to raise it at least 5%. That's the way our business model is. And so somebody, and anybody under the tent or on site could have could bid on that property and take both buy, bidders out and buy it as a whole. So Thomas bought property at property one. Johnny bought property two. <coughs> Susie in the back could have bid and paid. Now, and, and you started it at 5% more. 5% started more started, it. and then it would go up from there. So Susie could have bought it, and I could have bid with Susie. Yep. And Susie could have bought it from both of right. us. That's so right. I could have not gotten anything. That's correct. So what I did is when they were bidding on the second property, let's go back. On the first property, right. I got into a bidding war with that lady down front and the left. That's exactly right. And you were with me and your assistant was with them mm-hmm. and we were going back and forth. <coughs> we won it. Correct. Probably forty or $50,000 more than what we should have with the bidding war, I think. But we did not bid on the second one. Which was smart. Because I didn't want to drive the price up. Which was smart. So that was smart. So you already bought in. So see, I think you played it. I don't know if you meant to or not, but you played it as well as you could have. Because if you hadn't got involved in the first round of bidding, it would have sold It would have sold for a lot less than it did. And then that would have gotten other people bidding. When we put it back together as a whole. Oh, and see, yeah. See, I love it to start low. I don't like bids to start high. I love them to start low. I'm probably telling too much. But no. the reason I like for it to start low because there's a buy-in. Once people start bidding, they want to continue to bid. Well, then they're then they're bought into the game. Well, if you y'all are over here bidding and some folks over here bidding over here, well then you are start you're all bidding against each other. Well then you've got to buy in, and then it gets competitive, and then it gets some ego, and then people get excited like don't let them outbid us. And so I love for it to start low. But see what you did was you 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 bought if you just bought the house, you were still at a good deal 
by sure. announcing that. You're fine with that. But by not engaging in the bidding there, participating in that bidding, that sold relatively low. It did. $90,000. I thought it'd be $135,000 to $140,000. It was ninety. I know. And so but that, but that's because you didn't engage in that. So then the people didn't know if they would, could end up getting the house or not. They didn't know. So it was, it was kind of a, you know, it worked out well for the estate because it brought more than the appraised value. It brought more than they'd been offered for. Mm-hmm. And they were happy with that. Y'all got it for y'all got it for less than you could than you than you could have paid for it oh, had you man. had you engaged in it the other way. Well, <clears throat> I was gonna bid on the trailer and Joy, who's my sister-in-law, uh-huh. is extremely wise. She goes, No. She said, because we don't know who is out there this one I want to put it uh, who's waiting? Somebody could be because there was a hundred people there. There was there was a huge crowd there. There was a huge crowd, and there. we didn't know in our mind. The game is this: we didn't know in our mind that there's a guy over to the right, a guy behind us that's waiting to put it all together and bid us out of it. So we had we had we didn't have the house guaranteed, but right. we had we we had, worst case scenario we had the house, they had the trailer, and we could just keep our separate ways. But we also knew. That the boat launch was on the other lot, right? And the dock was on the other lot, and right. so we felt like we needed all of it in order to right. have a whole property. One thing though that I, I knew for sure, when the price got up to ninety something thousand, I knew it was not going to remain a rough track of land. Yeah. Price a lot of times will restrict. If somebody pays that kind of money for something, then they're going to make it into something pretty pretty decent. Sure. And so I knew that, but but the, but Scott Withrow, who gave you that, that that advice, said you need to buy them both. He was spot on when he told you that yeah. because that was a smart. That was a, but but what you did though was you didn't let it be a bargain. You didn't let you didn't let the the big house get stolen. Mm-mm. And so by not letting it get stolen, you protected yourself. Whether you meant yeah. to or not, you did. You, you isolated yourself where people weren't going to slip in there and and just for I mean for that kind of money, that's not somebody going to make it bite on a whim. Right. So it, it was it worked out just right. It was exciting. The was whole process it was, it was a, rush. a rush. I mean, I got video of you sitting there next to me and us buying it. It was yep. it was it was incredible. So if you've never been to an auction or bought people go to an auction, um, it's a lot of fun. Even just watching it, it was a lot of fun. Even though I was a participant, but that was sh- here's the thing I was shocked at. There were probably a hundred people there. <laughs> I bet seventy of them had no interest at all in buying it. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many people mm-hmm. came up and said, "Hey, we just want to see who bought it." Oh, uh-huh. because they oh, wanted yeah. to see who bought the freaking oh, yeah. the neighbors, who the new neighbors were. That's right. And they were all there, and the neighbors in this little place are wonderful. Oh, it's a great community over there. It's great. It community. is great. So, okay, so let's go back a little bit. So you've called in the phone book for ten years. You're hustling. You get a cool sale in South Carolina. So where does it progress from? So you started straight out of college. I did. I mean, I, I went on. But I, just I, as a worker. Yeah, I was not. I was not in any ownership. I was strictly a salesman on commission, and I mean, I was just like the rest of the guys. I was at the bottom of the totem pole. Okay, so how did you progress through that? I just, I don't know. I just one foot ahead in front of the other, just kept going. And then about two years into it, I got in, in business with some guys, and we started building houses, and then we started building apartments, and we built a lot of duplexes. We built several houses and started in Rome. Building, in Rome, and then bought some land and developed and started building duplexes. And uh, and so I had a side get what I used to call it a side hustle or what have you outside the family business, because I, I, mean, I was making decent money with them. Yeah. But of course, and this whole time too, I'm single too. I mean, I'm not you know I don't have a family yet. 
And so, see, everything's just, I mean, I'm working seven days a week, 12, 14 hours a day. I'm working hard and playing hard and having a, you know, a good end of my 20s, you know, into my early 30s. And I just worked all the time. And then we had a lot of success building apartments and buying land. We'd buy land and, and subdivide it and auction it off ourselves mm. and, and, and do that. And, and it, it progressed on pretty well that, that we did all that. 08, 07, and 08 changed everything for us. How so? Um, auction business. Obviously, I'm, I'm partners with my dad and my uncle at this time. In 08? In, in 07. 07, yes, 07, yeah. But, but they- did, Hold on, let's go back. When did you become a partner? Uh, maybe 01 or 02. So in 01 or 02, economy's- Oh, well, we're booming. I mean, we're, we're, yeah. we're, selling, we're selling $50, $60 million a year, having 130 auctions a year. I was in Texas in, in 04, 03 and 04. I was in Texas for seven to eight months. Uh, selling. Selling land. Okay, so so you become a partner in 0102, 08. You're, what, what changed in 08? I mean, obviously, I know well, the economy. Everybody that we had sold to all of a sudden needed to be having sales. The problem is everybody paid these prices. In 07, when the correction, recession, depression, whatever you want to call it happened, prices went from here to here. Mm. Banks are failing. You know, they're not loaning money. They're calling notes due. And so all these people that we had, a lot of folks that we had sold to needed to have sales. And you know, we're building houses, apartments. We started a bank. Me and a couple of guys started a bank in. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, five or six. Yeah. <laughs> me and five, me and four other guys raised $20 million and started a bank. Wow. The bank's still going. River City Bank in Rome. Is Georgia. it really? They're still doing well, yeah. I got off the, me, me, there's out of the five of us, four of us are off the board and, and gone. But one guy, one guy managed to. Is he doing well? He's doing great. He's doing, the bank's doing great. Great bank. They're doing well. That's but it incredible. Just, you know, it's just, it's just we well, who little, started a bank? We started a bank. What? <laughs> we did. It's, I don't know anybody that's done that, Lou. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't, I didn't, we'd always kind of want to do it and we had always, um, I always thought it'd be a pretty cool thing. Okay, and, so so let's do. Okay, so I'm, so gonna, I'm kind of all over. The no, I want to go sorry. back. So like, you're you're working for your dad, selling you know selling auctions and things like that, but you're also developing. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the financial part of that because to start a freaking bank, you got to have some cash. <laughs> so so I learned this of the day, and I heard this of the day. And it's so true. When you're single and no kids, and you immerse yourself in the work you have a chance to do a lot of special things, meaning like make a lot of money and learn a lot. Yeah, no doubt about it. You did just what I did. Now, I did a different business than you. I was football. You were you were business. But the amount of, amount of things I learned, and even the money I made when I was single was a lot because I wasn't making, excuse me, the amount of money I kept right. because I wasn't doing anything. Right. But talk to me about the financial part of how you grew financially through all that. We just were blessed. We, we, our, our auction business was very good. Um, had a great company, great team. Um, everything we touched, we sold. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the most part. And then my partner's over here. Um, my best friend from first grade, he and I started a construction company. And we built some houses, some high-end houses. Okay, five, when you talk about building homes, did you, like, physically hammer the nails and no, stuff like that? No, he, he, was, he was a licensed contractor. I... I, I not only to provide the money, but I was kind of the backing, and he yeah. had, he had the expertise on building you know big homes. Uh, we built some big homes, and then my other partner, we um, we developed subdivisions with duplexes. Duplexes are a big thing in Rome, and um, really? and we we built some commercial buildings, some industrial buildings, and, and bought some other stuff. Bought a big farm, and it was the luckiest thing to ever happen to us. We buy this farm, and we were going to cut it up and auction it off. We had it subdivided in thirty something tracks. 
And we slide the, 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 the owners a, um, a check for a million dollars. And the owner slides the check, uh, the letter over, says, oh, the DOT wants to buy part of your farm. Oh, my what? partner turns ashen white. He what now? Say it again now? The DOT. Department of Transportation. Well, they're going to put the new Rome bypass through this farm. We didn't know it. And so we slide them a check for a million dollars for this farm. Of course, it's from borrowed money. Yeah. We send them, slide the check over to them. And they slide us letter and say, oh, the DOT wants to talk to you about buying your farm. And I'm like, oh, because, I mean, we bought it. I mean, we, it was, it was, it, we had to scrape together the money to yeah. buy this thing. And, and we do. And we're going to have a, a quick flip on it. Figure we're going to make a little money. And we ended up having to hold it for a little bit longer, but it was it really worked out great with DOT. But but that's the kind of, we were just doing doing some side hustle. We were just trying to make money doing anything that we knew how to do. Okay, so here's the technical question I have. So there are a lot of people out there like you that want to do something that you did. So you've got this job working for your dad at the auction, right? How did you get the money together to be the quote unquote backer in the starting of this construction company? We I saved. I mean, like I said, I didn't yeah. live in much. I mean, I, I bought several houses. I'd live in them, fix them up, and I'd sell the house and move into another one. Yeah. Buy it, fix it, clean, fix it up, what have you. Yeah. So I made some money and I saved a up. little bit of just. I mean, just you didn't make. Bit. You didn't have huge windfalls. Oh, you just yeah. made, 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 kept invested, yeah. made, yep. kept invested. And like I said, I had luckily at the time I had good credit, and and the bank knew that we knew what we were doing, and and we had a good track record at the bank. And we had borrowed literally millions of dollars to, to acquire and develop this land and build these. And we built one time 70-something duplexes. Oh, my god! And so, I mean, we built, and we had a build. I mean, it was cookie cutter. I mean, we knew what we were doing. We were, it was a very calculated risk. Mm. And 28 of them we had sold before we ever broke ground. Wow. So, just go back to 2007, 2008. You said everything changed. Oh, to, man. To, what happened yeah. there? Oh, uh, the economy tanked. And, yeah. and we had one building we rented, just for example, Suzuki. And we had a, 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 it was a substantial size, 30 something thousand square foot building, clear span. Suzuki was directly across the street. They were making four wheelers. And it was stacked from floor to ceiling with four wheelers in boxes. Mm. Well, in 07, 08, people quit buying four wheelers. <laughs> what does Suzuki do? They quit making four wheelers. So what does that mean? They don't need our space. Mm. And in their lease, they had a 30 day clause where they could say, hey, we're, we're gone. Well, they were gone. And I mean, it looked just like it was brand new. When they, when they left, they didn't leave a thing, it was spotless. Wow. But we had a big, we had a big note payment, big, a big, big payment, payment, a big and building, then, and then we had some other buildings come vacant, and it just, you know, times got tight. And, and where you're talking about having a job with my dad and working with them, that job allowed me to do what I did over here because I made enough over there to work over here in these other other deals we were making, other deals, other things we we're doing. I was making enough over there to help me supplement, do that over there. Either, right. either borrowing the money or paying for it, one of the two. When did you get out of the, the construction? Are you still doing anything no, that was corruption? No, no. When did you get out of that? In 07. We, we quit doing, we got done. I got, I, um, yeah, 07, 08. Wow. Okay, so you're a partner at this point. You said people that you had sold to were now wanting to sell. They were. So you were making money twice. Well, the problem was is a lot of them had borrowed money. Mm. And see, in 07 and 08 and 09, people didn't really think it was going to last as long as it did. Mm. So people weren't, expectations were still high. So if I sold a man a track of land, and, and I'm just using round numbers for 500000 back in 05 or 06, well, it was probably worth three fifty on the market at that time. Well, they didn't want to sell. They couldn't take the loss. Couldn't the take the loss. The bank was not going to take the loss, and they, they hadn't started working out the deficiencies yet. Right. And so it it, it really it was how you couldn't see. So there was a lot of people you couldn't sell out. 
because they owed too much. Mm. Now there were there were there were instances where people had good equity and you could sell them. They couldn't make payments any longer, but they still had equity enough to get out. Right. And and it, and it took us to a different level with banks as well. Um, a lot of banks took stuff back. Yeah. And, and now the business we had was fun business. It was good business. Yeah. The, the seller was happy to sell it. You were happy to buy it. Yes. It was a very good deal. When times get tight like that, if whether the bank or whoever you're selling for, the seller feels like they gave it away. Mm-hmm. The buyer feels like they paid, paid too, too much, much for it. And then here it is, the auction company and the lawyer making all the money. You know, and and it, and it just it becomes it's just the hard reality of hard business. And, and and you have to be the messenger and tell a lot of people, hey, this is what your property's worth. It, you know, I paid for it. I'm sorry what you paid for it. Yeah. That doesn't have anything to do with its value today. Now, if you hold on to it in a few years, I'm sure it'll be worth that again. Sure. But right now, today's I'm the messenger in the present, and this is what its present value right here. So talking about 0708, a lot of people think that here in 2023, we're close, Not we're not close to the 08 crisis, but with interest rates being at 678 right now, where we've been used to them at 34, what have you seen? Because typically, typically people in your industry – are on the inside of what they think and feel is coming. Tell me what you think. Again, just an educated <laughs> guess. I'll tell you. Um, we sold 32 townhouses in um, February. It was a homeowners association in February of 23. Oh okay. uh, yeah, and within within is Fairfield Plantation over in Carrollton, Georgia. Yeah, and, and and this was a homeowners association within the within the development. It was 32 townhouses, and I sold 32 townhouses on the lake. On the lake. I know. I saw that property. Okay, of those 32 townhouses. 31 were cash buys. I had one man borrow the money. I had 31 cash buyers. You sold them all individually. individually. And then put them back. I had 13 buyers out of 32 units. And out of 32 units, I had one man borrow the money. The rest of them were cash buyers. Wow. Most people that I deal with, unless I'm selling a residential home, are either, either have a lot of credit, equity line, they've already got it already lined up, or they've got the cash. The cash is it's what I see myself personally, what little bit I see is the cash is much stronger now than mm. it was in, in, in 07, 06, 07, and 08. People have got more of it. People have more cash. The advice a great friend of mine gave me probably a month ago, ago and we're filming this June 1st of 23, is he said he has liquidated a bunch of his stuff because he feels like something's coming in the multifamily space where you're going to be able to get things. Because a lot of times when you buy commercial, if you buy on a note, you buy commercial, you buy a five-year term. Not It's amed, it's amortized over 20 or 25 but years. But the term's coming due. But the due. term's coming due. The term's coming due. And if you get a term at four and it comes due and it goes to eight. There's no cash flow. There's not the numbers don't work. No, doesn't. So he feels like there's fixing to be a turn in what we're doing. I feel that is too. I'll tell you what I I tell you what I equate it to, Coach. You you go fishing and you see the little shad or little bait fish jumping out of the water. Right. Because something big's under the water. Mm. I feel like something big's under the water. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if we're I, I don't think we're gonna have what we had back in 07. I don't I, think so. I, I, don't, I don't think that's coming. Uh I, I don't see a lot of people borrowing money. To buy a house and getting money at the closing, I saw a lot of that. Where everybody gets checks. Hey, everybody's getting a check. Woo-hoo. Look what that got us. Yeah. But I see, I see a lot of the bankers. A lot of them learn from their mistakes. Yeah. You know, a lot of bankers did. I think a lot of borrowers learn from their mistakes. Yeah. Now I say that, and then I hear people paying ten thousand dollars over list on a, on a, on, a, on a sticker price on a car. Yeah. Makes people no people sense. pay it buying houses. You know, they're, they're getting bidding wars for for houses. Yeah. 
I don't understand that. But but again, then again, I'm just a country auctioneer. <laughs> what do I know? You know? <laughs> I mean, okay, so let's 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 move forward a little bit. You went and bought. Uh, you bought your uncle out Correct. In, in 17. 17. And so are you the sole owner right now? Does me and still, dad. You me and dad, dad yes. Okay. He's so still the boss. He's still the boss. He's still the so, boss. So talk to me about last year, 2022. What is, what is a good number? How much did y'all sell last year? We sold about $40 million. $40 million over yes. five, five states? Uh, we sold, last year we sold Alabama, North Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, four states. Forty million over four states. We sold. We probably sold ten million dollars on Weiss Lake alone. Wow, That's Weiss a, Lake, it's, it's it's a gold mine right now. It's just it really is, isn't it? It really is for everybody. I mean, it's it's a win win for everybody. Why is that? Location. It, it's it's if you take if you go to Georgia, you've got Lake Altoona, Lake uh, Lanier. Yeah. Uh, you go to Tennessee, you got Chickamauga, Nickajack. You go to Alabama, you got. Uh, Lake Martin, Lake, uh, not Lay Lake. Uh, Smith. Smith Lake. Yeah. Those prices are so high. They are. Weiss Lake, everybody's always considered it all just a muddy, crappy, you know, crappy fishing. Yeah. Just a fishing lake, which was fine to me. I grew up on Weiss Lake. I love Weiss Lake. I've right. got, I've always had a place on Weiss Lake since we were kids. Right. Well, my family's learned to ski, jet ski, everything on Weiss Lake. We love it. Right. But it was just kind of a secret because everybody says, oh, it's shallow, it's got stumps, all this. Well, now they've, they've realized that prices are so low on Weiss Lake that it's, it's a bargain. I mean, I, yeah. people from Chicken, Chickamauga or Nickajack come down and see what prices are on Weiss. They can't believe it. What's wrong with this? Yeah. Well, nothing's wrong with this. It's just the price, the market. Wow. It's a great area. It's We love it because it's an hour and 15 minutes from yes, our sir. doorstep. Yes, sir. We can be there from Trustful, Alabama mm-hmm. to the door at Cedar Bluff. Mm-hmm. An hour and 15 minutes. From my house in Cave Spring, Georgia, is 29 minutes to my front door at Weiss Lake. That's great. And what I love about it, it's a small town. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of commercialism, commercialized Mm -hmm. in it. And that's great. I love it. Yeah. You know, I know everybody's, because I do business in the center too. Sure. But it's a great small community. Right. And obviously the problem you have is people that come from big, big areas. Yeah. Think that they, everybody should conform. You know, don't, don't come to Weiss Lake and tell everybody how you do it. Mm. Come find out how they do it. That's right. How how life is. And it's it's a simple, very enjoyable, very very high quality life. Yeah, in Weiss Lake. The, the little bit we've been there so far has it's been wonderful. People are phenomenal. Yeah, um, and what I really like to see too was great this weekend. Water patrol everywhere. Mm. They're starting to crack down on the jet skis and the crazy, you know. And that's good. I mean, they're it's great. It's great, you know. And it's it's just it's really a it's a it's a high quality way of life. Talk to me about um, the business part of what you did. So you sounds very similar to me. In the in the twenties, even mm-hmm. probably your early thirties, just working your absolute face in the dirt, making money, being successful, doing great things. Tell me about when you first met, you know, your special someone, and you had a kid. Tell me, tell me about that. Talk Everything about that. changed in 04. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was out in Texas. Okay. And I we were blowing and going. And I mean. <laughs> I didn't see another auction sign the whole time I was in Texas. We were selling. There's a lot of difference in the zeros for land in Texas mm-hmm. and is out here. And the folks have 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 more zeros. Mm. And we were in a position to just about, I just about had a big deal worked out where we could make enough to open up an office. And we're going to be Dibble, Texas, which is in the is eastern, eastern Texas in the kind of the hill country, what they call right outside of Houston. And so Missy was pregnant with Georgiana. Okay. okay. And she's, this is April the 15th of, of, uh, 04. Okay. On the, on the 17th, I was flying out to, to, uh, to, to Dabo and I was going to make the deal. 
and I was going to sell this. We had a big, big compartment of land we were going to sell, and we were going to make enough to, to pack up and, and not pack up, but for me to go out there and, and really get our roots in deep. Oh, you were going to open an office? I was office. going to open an office. Oh. In, I would open, open, open an office in Texas. 15th day of, of April, coming back from paying taxes over my, my account's office the next town over, I get a call that Missy's mother has been in a car wreck. Her mother was tragically killed on the 15th day in a car wreck. She, so Missy's and pregnant. she's pregnant. She's pregnant. Oh, my gosh. And I'm supposed to leave in two days to make this deal. Well, and then Missy comes up on the wreck. She goes in early labor. She's they, they get her calmed down. They get her in the hospital. Her mother's deceased. Her father's, her father's died a year or so ago. Oh. So, I mean, she has no one. And so then we had to, you know, we had to get her mom. And uh, it's just, it was just terrible. So I didn't get to go to Texas. I called and told them, I can't come out. It's going to be another week. I called them the following week, and they said, hey. You didn't come. We went ahead and made the deal. We sold it. Um, we'll call you on something the next one. And the Lord kept me right here in Rome, Georgia. Man. Because I was going to be I was going to be an out-of-town dad. I mean, I was going to fly back and forth and what have you. But but so in 04, when my daughter was born, that's when it all changed. Wow. How so? Um, priorities. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to be about, and I won't lie, it's chasing the dollar. Yeah. I thought the more you had, the better off you were and the happier you'd be and all that. But it was unfulfilling. Mm. There was nothing to it. Uh, the more you made, the more the more you made, the more you wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And if you lost some, it was awful yeah. on a deal. Um, but but in 04, when she was born, I kind of I, I didn't get the whole picture, but I got a lot more of the picture. Yeah. And my priorities changed. It wasn't about how big an elk can you ca- kill or how big a fish can you catch. It became about how we're going to pay for school. Sure. How we going, you know, how we going to make sure this child has shoes on her feet. Right. And of course, Chase, my, my son, not my biological son, but he's my son. I'm his yeah, daddy. Yeah, you raised him. I raised him from the time he's six on. And so, you know, he's he's there with us and we're making, you know, making sure he's where he needs to be. Right. And so things changed. Um, but that's that's when I, I realized that, m- that money wasn't all that. Wow. I thought it was, but it, it wasn't. So how did it shift? Talk to me about time because you're blowing and going seven days a week, working as much as you can to make as much as you can. What, what, sh- I mean, I know your priorities shifted, but what, how did it shift to, from a time perspective? Um, uh, I'll tell you this, I work, I still work. I continue to work till, you know, till dark 30 and I left early and I was working all the time. But I still, you know, had family time. Saturdays mm-hmm. and Sundays we'd go to the lake or we'd go to the beach or we'd do something. And um, Georgiana was born in July of, of uh, 04. And so I coached Pee Wee football. Mm. My son played Pee Wee football. I coached Pee Wee football. And I wasn't much of a coach. I was a <laughs> substitution guy. Yeah. But, you know, I could do that. But anyway, I went on a, on a hunting trip. I went pheasant hunting and elk hunting. I was gone about two weeks. Mm. And I missed her. And I didn't see my little girl for about, about two weeks. I came back. Came back all, drove back all night to get back from Wyoming. Coached football game. And that night, her room was just in the next room over, you know, just from here to there. And we had the video monitor and all that. But I said, you know, I said, Missy, I said, let's let G sleep with us just for a minute tonight. Yeah. And next thing you know, she's four years old. She's sleeping on daddy's shoulder every night. That's and right. so every night we had daddy-daughter time. We'd watch TV or we'd watch something and we'd talk about it or whatnot. And so that was, that that nighttime was was, was quality time for us. Man, that's great. We got to watch TV and talk about things and, and, and whatnot. But she travels with me. Now, My daughter will be better than me at, at, at what I do. If she decides she wants to be in business, she'll be better than I am. Okay, so so she's she got an athlete on your hands. Oh, she's athlete. She, did she go to Darlington? She did. Went to Darlington. Graduated then, uh, this 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 May. Okay, now where's she going to go to school? She's going to Claremont McKenna in um in Claremont, California. She's going to play basketball. Really, really. 
California. She had 13 total offers, including an appointment to um, uh, the uh, Coast Guard Academy. I remember that. And um, and she she had them from right there at home. She had two great offers at home, all the way up to Boston, to Wellesley, up to out to California. And um, she narrowed it down to three, and she's headed to California. Why did she decide there? What was the the factor? I think I honestly believe because first of all, it's it's a it's a highly intensive uh, academic school. It's it's mm. academic. So I think it's got like a thirteen percent acceptance rate. That's uh, the Darlington enter. I think so. That's the student enter. And the basketball coach is awesome. We love the program. We went out there and we met the coach and, and the assistant coach and she met her teammates. Uh, just loved everything about it. Yeah. Um, Cal- everybody says, oh, California, you know, it's going to be a bunch of, well, you know, it's not. It's, it, to be honest with you. Anyway, let me back up to her. So she, she said, she told me, she said, Daddy, if I don't go to California and try this out now, I'll always wonder. Mm. And she said, Daddy, I feel That's like- That's wisdom from an 18-year-old, right? She's, she's, she's got a lot more wisdom than her daddy ever did at 18. I can tell you that. But but what's awesome, this is what's so awesome about it. This is how, in my opinion, I don't mean to talk about the Lord and business. Just do it. And this, but, do it. Yeah. But, but, but God, there, there's no, there's no uh, coincidences. No. I zero. go on a mission trip every year with a bunch of men. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot Where of y'all them, go? We go down to the Tex-Mex border. We go to Del Rio, Reynoso, um, Acuna, Mexico. We stay in Del Rio, go to Acuna. We stay in McAllen, go to Reynoso okay. and, and um, Matamoros yeah. and do some things down there. Well, half of the guys are from Riverside, California. Riverside, California is 30 minutes from Claremont, California. When she told me she got offered this college, I called my brothers out there and said, what about this Claremont? What's this? They're like, man, it's an awesome school. She's 30 minutes from us. So I've got 10 guys. Yeah, you've got guys that are taking that, care of her. That have watched her. They've watched her being, been born for the last 10, been raised for the last 10 years. That are, that are at her disposal to call. They're 30 minutes away. Three thousand, two thousand miles from home. That's amazing. So I mean, you know, what a blessing. I wow. mean, some of their brothers are you nervous about your kid going out there? I'm like, no. Nope. First of all, I raised an extremely confident, Christian, conservative, strong-minded young lady that knows her worth. But second of all, she's got ten dads she can call in Riverside, California. Man, that's incredible. I mean, that's no coincidence. I mean, so she's gonna go there and play ball. <laughs> you do you think? And I, she'll probably listen to this. Do you think that she will go into the business? What do you think she's minded to do? Whatever she wants, and yeah. I don't mean that. I don't mean that area. I, no, she, do it. That's great. She, she's dyslexic. Okay. We found out early age she's dyslexic. She graduated with high honors with a four point three GPA. Mm. I mean, she's going to a school that 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 you know that has a thirteen percent acceptance rate. If she wants to do it, she'll do it. Wow. And she has the opportunity to come home if she wants to. Sure. And I'll tell you a funny story about that. Or she she's interested in the law. Mm. Um. Or she you know she she's eighteen. She may go out there and find something she she wants to do. I don't know. Uh, she's always got a place in the family business. Yeah. Um, but she told me, she said, Daddy, she said, I'm not going to sell land where there's not a beach. Mm. So what did Daddy do? Went and got licensed in Florida, and we're doing business in yeah, Florida. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give her the opportunity. We're going to yeah. set the table for her if she wants to that's come That's right. But if she doesn't, she'll, she'll, we will support whatever she wants to do. Man, that's wonderful. What's really cool is Chase, my son. Mm-hmm. In eighth grade, they asked him what he wanted to do when he grew up. He wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon to make bank. I've still got the paper where he typed it out. Yes. And and he went to Mercer University, played football, yeah. uh, graduated. Uh, I met him. You met Chase. He played for uh, Bobby. Yeah, he played for Bobby at, at Mercer. That's right, yeah. yeah. And so he was going He was going to go in the medical field. He was going to be a doctor. He came home in two years. He, for two years, he took off, and he was going to – he taught school at Darlington and, mm-hmm. and coached football and whatnot. And he wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do yet. Well, I got him to come work for me for a day or two. A day or two turned in three or four days, and I said, "Son, I said, you know, 
if you want to do this, I'll teach you what I do, and and we can take it to a different level with the online. Sure. You know, with the digital and online, you know, that's that's right up your alley. Y'all weren't doing that. No, we weren't. We were we were we were just dabbling. Dabbling. Now our, our digital footprint was was good, but it wasn't great. Mm. Uh, and our online presence was not what it is now because Chase is taking it to that level. And he decided. He said he he finally said he said, "Dad, believe this is what I want to do the rest of my life." And he's a succession plan. So the fourth generation is going to take it over. That's incredible. So it's already in line for him to take over and, and what have you. So the part of the, what we talk about here is the parenting part, the financial part, the business part. And there's a lot, huge spiritual component to this thing. So talk to me about when you guys separated, you and your, your, uh, your wife separated. When y'all divorced, was there a financial strain there? No. Yes and no. Yeah. When, when we split... It was agreed that I would pay for everything for our daughter. Okay. For example, tuition, healthcare. She was on her insurance. Okay. She was on. She was on Missy's insurance. Okay. So yep. she she had a great job, good insurance, and I would pay for everything else. Yeah. And and that's kind of how it was. She we never had a really a, a formal agreement. We just had a handshake agreement. Yeah. That we would not have time. We we we're a little different. And let me say this: the reason we're not together, I'm going to take ninety eight percent of the blame. Sure. Because I wasn't a good man back then. Mm-hmm. I had some issues. And I, yeah. was not, I was not the kind of man that I would want my son to grow up to be or my daughter to date. Right. And, I, and I'll tell you, and I'll own that. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you this. She could have, there was times when, when Missy could have made things in my life extremely difficult. Mm. And she didn't. Mm. And she never tried to turn the kids against me. Yeah. She never, um, never had anything ill to say. Now, she and I might not have a knockdown, not literally, but have, yeah. have a pretty good row about something. But it was always a united front. Yeah, and to this day we're best friends. Man, that's and, and, and we're just we're like partners. She's got my power of attorney. She executes my will. She's on every every bank account that I've got. I trust yeah. with my life. She trusts me with hers. We just we do really well this way. Separated. <laughs> Separated. Yeah. Wow. And we're like we know we didn't sit together at basketball games. We don't sit. We sit. Wow. We sit across the gym. Wow. She's on your bank account, but you don't let her. You don't sit with her at a basketball game because because she'll say something, and I'll get mad at her. Or I'll say something, and then somebody will say something, we'll get mad, and we'll get mad. So we just had this just best. That she would keep the book. She would keep the book at all the home games, and, and I'd sit back there, and she and I'd yell something. And she'd look, give me the look, you know. But but uh, but when we split, um, was in I, I want to say. 11 or I think it's 12 mm-hmm. probably 12 and, and and things were very tense yeah and and it was not it was not all all good in 13 some things happened and, and we got some stuff straightened out good. and and became uh she realized that that she needed me to some degree I need her to some degree absolutely for, for our children yeah and, and in our problems the way we look at it our problems and our children's problems yeah we don't fight in front of them we don't much we don't we try not to you know involve them in our issues mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's the way we raised them that's wonderful. Uh, she's a good woman, good lady. That's great. And uh, and and she's 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 raised two good kiddos, and mm. uh, she's a good gal. Wow. So all this life, how old are you? Fifty four. Fifty four. A lot of life lived. A lot of business done. A lot of money made. A lot of some money lost. A lot of money two, lost too. Two kids. Two kids raised. Mm-hmm. A lot of ball games. All mm-hmm. that stuff. Okay. One of the questions I have is. And, and I want an arrogant statement. I want an arrogant answer. Like, what do you really, really believe in this? What are you great at? After some of the things I've been through in life, I don't get rattled. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't get nervous. I don't get rattled. Um, I don't get, I don't worry. Um, I'm a firm believer whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I pray, for, I don't pray for things that happen. I pray for acceptance. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty even keeled about that. Right. Um, 
I feel like I give all to my kids. There's nothing that, I, that, 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 that my kids and children, if they needed it, if I could do it, I would do it. If I can, I'll find somebody, some way to do it. In seventh grade, George, we're sitting in church on Sunday morning. Jesus said, Dad, I don't play college basketball. Yeah. I said, okay. I said, all right. I said, I don't know anything about it. I said, but I'll find out about it. Yeah. I said, but it's going to be a deal. Oh, I knew it was going to be travel ball. I knew it was going to be a lot, oh, yeah. of, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of times. A lot of time, a lot of money. I mean, in, in, in Atlanta, I mean, we play the other side of Atlanta. We practice, we practice. And I said, you give 110%, I'll give 110%. Your mom will give 110%. Yeah. And all three of us held up our end of the deal. Wow. And there she is, um, fixing to play college basketball. She 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 accomplished her goal. Mm. Um, I guess, you know, I don't know. I try to be family. I'm, I'm about family. Mm-hmm. I'm about relationships. Um, yes. That's something that I that I learned the hard way, but money's like I said, money's not a big, it's not a, a big driving force for me. Mm-hmm. Relationships are. Yeah. The money that, that, that y'all spent or we made or whatever from our deal is long gone. Sure. But our relationship is still, still here. there. So I've got friends, I've got friends all over the country that I've sold to, sold for. And that the, the people say, where are your best friends from? They're from high school, college. I said from business. Probably. From business. Huh? Because you think about it, <laughs> we're involved either with somebody selling one of their largest assets or buying a huge asset, you know? I mean, I don't care who you are. If you buy a lake, lake house, like that, that's not a small asset. No. So it's a big. And I want you to feel good with me. I want to feel good with you. And we got to, you know, and, and that's how relationships are built. You remember the doctor that was there when your kids were born? Because they were there do. at an extremely emotional time. Yes. Yes. When someone's selling a large asset, you were standing right beside me mm-hmm. when the guy said sold and we shook hands. It was, you were there. Mm-hmm. And I learned, I got, and I'm thankful for you because I got to learn a bunch through that process. Like your, the education that I got with you was, I mean, it was immeasurable. And I just, because I learned so much that, I mean, I don't know any of my friends that have gone through that process. And it's, it was a great process. Um, okay, so my next question is this. What do you think you have to work on to be a better human? What are you not great at that you need to work on? Oh, how long do we got? <laughs> as long as you need. Now what's, just give me one. Just give me one. And if you don't say something, that I mean, I, I get I, it. I, my patience. Sometimes no, okay. I, my patience. I just, I, 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 and this is awful. I, mean, I think fast and I talk fast. Yeah. I make up my mind in a second. It takes me forever to change it. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I move fast. Mm-hmm. Because obviously my, my line of business, we, we move fast. You do. But I don't, I, I don't like, I have a guy, you met Tom, the gray headed guys at the auction. Yeah. He's great at showing houses. I'm not very patient with people looking at houses. I'm like, what do you mean? You look at it, you looked at it for three minutes. You don't know if you want this house or not. What do you mm. mean? He walks them through and said, couldn't you just see mom and them sitting over <sighs> here at the table with biscuits and gravy looking at the lake? And I'm like, man, where do you get this stuff? Man. Uh, and, and I don't have, I don't have the patience, either business professionally with my family life with with my significant other with my girlfriend I don't I, sometimes I don't have enough patience with my kids sometimes I snap I don't mean to yeah and, and that, I'd say my patience is my number one and I cuss a lot and I don't, I don't, don't wrong. hey I, don't, I love Jesus but I also cuss I, a little I, I, my ass, I love Jesus I still dip snuff and cuss but I don't dip snuff hardly anymore <laughs> but, I, but I still cuss a little bit and I don't gamble like I used to or that, anything else but I, I I still cuss just a little that's bit that's so funny okay I've got five uh, excuse me uh, four questions okay. at the end okay. I, want, I want fast answers okay okay so first couple things that come to your mind okay okay growing up 
what is was your go-to activity with your kids? Going down to the river. Going to the river. Perfect. What are you focused on now on learning? What are you trying to learn now? How to give back from the blessings I've been given. How to give back. How to give back. Perfect. What is the your most favorite vacation that you've ever taken? Maldives. <gasps> my, I hope my kids don't watch this. I went with my girlfriend the Maldives, but I talked to I talked to someone at the gym this morning about Man, that place I'm just off the coast of Africa. Yes, sir. Right, right, right below India. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's just the most beautiful place I've ever. I've never felt as just relaxed as one of nature as I was in the Maldives. It's unbelievable. If you've never, don't know where the Maldives is, Google it. It's unreal. It's unbelievable. Last question. No, no, I got two more questions. What's your favorite vacation? Listen to my words. Favorite vacation you've never taken? Fishing for the black marlin on the Great Barrier Reef in in Australia. (laughs) That's an unbelievable answer. Last question. Are you a reader? I am. What's the best, can't say the Bible. What's the best book you've ever read? Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. You, I love that book. That book was awesome. I read. I, I Did do, you read it or listen to it? I read it. Okay, me too. I, I'm not. I'm not an audiobooks guy. I, my problem with reading is once I get in it, I can't stop reading. Mm. And I don't care if it's fiction, if it's nonfiction, if it's a autobiography, whatever it is. Once I start, but I, I love to read. And I believe Green Lights was as real a book as I've ever. Read. It is a very real book. It's a great book. He's a real dude. So all right, all right, all right. That's so good. <laughs> so they say that he reads the book. Like on the audio version. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, yes, I will yes, listen. I've heard, I've heard I that. I will listen. Now, I'll say this. I've gotten out of listening to books in the last probably two years. Previous to that, I listened to a bunch. Right. But i also been schooled on the fact of like, is it better to read a bunch of books or is it better to read great books multiple times? And right now, I'm on my the back end of this year. So I've committed to this year. I'm going to read. It took six months, and I read new stuff. And I'm taking the last six months, and I'm going to read mm. the great stuff that I've already read. How do you How do you consider what's great? What you've already read? Stuff Stuff that I've already read that I tell people about. Stuff okay. that I've already read that is absolutely wonderful. Okay. And um, I think one that you would like. It's a book called The Wealthy Gardener. The Wealthy Gardener. It's phenomenal. And it is a, it's a story. It's a parable. Right. But it's also told from a guy that's a chiropractor who owns his own business. Right. But he's writing letters to his son in college about how wealth and life and just the, the, the way that life is, how it all goes together. He talks about giving. He talks about wealth creation. He talks about business. He talks about family. And he intertwines the parable with real life. It is wonderful. Quick question for you. Mm-hmm. Have you read The Energy Bus? John Gordon, yes. I've read it three times. Really? And I try when I when I when I was in the process of buying my uncle out or working that deal out, I read the energy bus. And 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 it gave me so much insight to being to 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 energy vampires and being the guy that's always giving energy out because it's contagious. And, and, and being a leader of a company, as I am, and I, and I, I have such an incredible team, mm-hmm. but there's always got to be a leader, and I guess that's me. Sure. But I believe they feed off of my energy. Yeah. And if I'm in a great mood, I'm positive, and I believe we're going to do this, and everything's good, I believe that energy is contagious. 
Also, I believe that if you're negative, it's contagious too. Absolutely. My glass isn't half full, it's three quarters full. That's right. And I don't, I don't, I don't taste any other way. I don't, I don't see problems, I see opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's some pretty good opportunities in my world sure. that I see. But I just believe that, that that people feed off of positive energy. Wow, I agree with that. What um as we close out, what questions you got for me? We talk some, we don't talk a bunch. We go two, three months and don't talk. What, to, what do you got for me? Anything? When are we going to get together on the lake? That's the Man, first question. as soon as this place <laughs> is done, we've got about a month and a half, two months, and it's going to be done. And I'm excited. I just appreciate you having me here. When, 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 when you said that about a podcast, I told my son, Chase, I was like, what's a podcast? <laughs> he said, sure, I'll like, do it. He's like, Chase, what is it? He goes, Dad, what, what, are you, what, are you, what do you listen to all the time? I'm like, well, those things on those guys, those interviews. He goes, those are podcasts. That's awesome. So I'm going to tell you a funny story. He said, I, I, I agreed to it. So a guy called me, this lawyer, this friend of mine, he's, he's an attorney for this, this big this college in Rome, Shorter College. It's a Baptist yeah. college in Shorter. And, and he's, the, he's, the, he's their attorney. He called me and said, hey, Luke, can you sell a college campus in Norman Park, Georgia? I said, absolutely. I said, let me call you right back. He says, what are you doing? I said, I got to find out where Norman Park is. <laughs> Yeah, I can sell it. Yes. Where it is. Where's that? And, and sure enough, but we ended up selling it for him. But he said, he said, you just said, I can sell anything anywhere. That's it's right. not a problem. I got a great team. I got a great, we can, we can do it ever. I need to know where it is first. That's incredible. Uh, one last story. So I'm going to tell this last story before we end up about our property. Right. Okay. So there's a couple I can tell on air. There's a couple I can tell, I have to tell off air. I'm sure. So one of the ones on air is those fireplaces. Oh, Mr. Scooty did those. Mr. Scooty did those. Okay, huh? do you know how he got transplanted into that Rome, northern, northeast Alabama area? I don't have any idea. Okay. Henry Ford was buddies with um, the girl at Barry Martha College. Barry. Martha the Barry. The Ford buildings at yes. the, the Ford, Ford campus there. Yes. yes. So the Shishutis did a building in like North Carolina. Uh -huh. And Mr. Ford walked in the building and loved it and said, who did this building? Found out that it was the Shishutis. Shishutis. And he got him to go, because he was buddies with Martha Berry, and got them to build these buildings at Berry College. They're phenomenal. I mean, it's the most beautiful. Fashion of the Titans was filmed right there. A lot of it was filmed right there at Ford Buildings. So he builds those. Okay. And then the family ends up living in that area. Brad, the grandson, uh -huh. lives two doors down from me. Yeah. And so we've got these masterful, beautiful fireplaces in both homes yep. that were built by them, who was a master brick mason yes, in Italy. Uh -huh. The Sescutis were well known. Like the Huthers with their ironworks in Rome, the Sescutis were known for their uh, for their, their masonry work. And the, their best, the best around, if the, if the Sescutis did it, it's, it's unbelievable. It is. And yeah. it's, I mean, they're masterful places. But I had no idea that that guy got there because of Henry Ford. Oh. And that's how we yep. ended up getting our places. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of cool history about, about that area. It really, really is. But the Sescudis, without a doubt. And you know what? Everybody, every one of their people are good folks. Good people. I know all Brad, of them. Brad's taking care yeah, of me. They're, they're good folks. Brad's taking care of me a lot. Good people. So I'm, I'm really appreciative. Hey, Lou, listen, I, this has been wonderful. Tell people, because there's got to be someone out there that is intrigued, that knew nothing about the auction business, that listened to this is inspired. Where can someone find you if they want to look you up, give you a call, give you an email, whatever? DempseyAuction.com. 
Dempsey is our website or we're on Facebook or DempseyAuction.com is just the easiest place to find us. We got our bios on there, what we've sold, what we're selling. We've got live video, everything you need to see anything about us is at DempseyAuction.com. Perfect. Lou, thank you so much. You've been great. Thank you, Coach. Um, Anybody out there who's listening to you, to us, please, 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 if you have any questions, please email us, thomas at thomascox.co. If you need me to get in touch with Lou, I can certainly do that. Last thing, gentlemen's agreement, if you've gotten any value out of this, out of Lou, we'd love for you to subscribe, whether it be on Spotify, whether it be on Apple, uh, iTunes, or if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. It helps us because we do this for absolutely for free. Thank you so much, guys. Hope you have a wonderful day.